Warning. This is not your normal podcast. Its purpose is to provide thought-provoking dialogue with a slighted perspective. Here we encourage influential conversations. Give us a listen, like and share. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Welcome to CEO and the Doctor. bike ride thing on this uh, studying for the LSATs uh, I, I'm, I'm just trying to fill my days man uh, it's been a good week I'm hoping that it cools off around here soon man it's still stupid hot so um, other than that you know I'm still doing doing my thing learning more shit about my car really taking stock in my health man I've, I've made some strides over the last few months so I'm feeling pretty pretty proud about that um, that uh phone call with the doctor she's like your pre-diabetic is sobering say the least so had to change a few things ah bro for real like yeah that's that's a whole different thing in itself um so yeah you know i hope that you you know stay doing what you're doing get that squared yeah. away uh yeah i'm definitely. glad you got that damn bike helmet because uh i did <laughs> i lived in arizona uh, i've been down on a motorcycle you know a couple yeah been down on motorcycles so that's a motorcycle so i already know it can be just as dangerous uh, yeah dealing with um you know somebody that's riding a mo- uh, actual bicycle because the roads are so narrow so shallow though. not really a lot of sidewalks man you know you'd be right yeah. on the road so thanks for most of my helmet and, and I could just hear you, hear you in my head. Uh, get, get a helmet. You need a helmet. You need a helmet. And I, here I am. I'm doing everything I could do to take care of myself, minus a bike helmet. How how dumb was that? Nah, I so mean, it ain't dumb. It's just you know, like hey, it's, it's just uh, one of those regulations we gotta you know forget. We so. forget about, it, I guess, because you know, military <laughs> they make you do that. When I was in Korea, I had to wear a damn bike helmet. It was goofy yeah. as hell, but this <laughs> no, was, was kind of nice though. Yeah, you it's, it's, it's kind of nice. Cool. It's cool. Man. So I rode yesterday. I only did um, I did ten yesterday because I did twenty five the day before. So rode yesterday, and that was the first day I, I wore it. So um, it was kind of it was weird because the sweat came down. My hats usually just catch the sweat, and that's usually why I wear a hat. So, yeah. but I I mean I felt better. You know, right. I wasn't looking at corners like if I if I bite you know some rocks, I might fall and then what am i gonna do i i'm good i got a helmet on oh, so yeah, i got you it's my dome is good um <laughs> dome is yeah good. so and th- this is probably the most important part of me is my my head everything else you can fucking chop up and anyway anyway okay uh, well, uh, so how season, was your week uh oh we going there so i don't know man i it is what <laughs> it is like you know military stuff epr season working on um, a tech sergeant eprs and dealing mm-hmm. with some other military jargon yeah, no so thanks. It's, it's just a week, man. Nothing too crazy. Um, Don't miss that. Don't miss it. I know. Calm down, man. But anyway, we can just jump into the show. So we got a good one today. Season three, episode six. Am I my, am I my brother's keeper? We're gonna have a special guest. It's our first real call in. So we hope all that uh, technical jargon, all that technical stuff, works for us. I just said jargon. I keep saying jargon tonight. <laughs> catchphrase every night. Um, so yeah let, uh, we got uh somebody that's you know super important to me one of my other mentors i've mentioned him a bunch of times on the show but we're finally going to try yeah. to bring marcus simmons in um and tonight we thought that uh the topic of am i my brother's keeper kind of goes in line with his book unapologetically masculine which we talk about masculinity Definitely. without toxicity but we're going to talk tonight like you know how are we truly, you know, taking care of each other as black men, as men in general? Um, you know, how toxic can we be? And we're not just talking about, you know, when it comes to, you know, women. So hopefully, yeah. uh, you know, we're just going off the, like, conversations are conversations. You know, we don't have a script for this, so we're just going to talk it up. Um, 
But uh, we got a little bit of a condensed show tonight, so we won't have a doctor segment. Um, yeah. We really only have three, so we're going to talk Flash flat, Flash 5. Flash 5. <laughs> going to talk Flash 5 real quick, then news, news. Damn, it's been two weeks, three, two weeks. You didn't have a sip? You didn't you have a sip tonight? You would think that I haven't uh, done a podcast. You, you, might, you, might, you might want to like take a few minutes, go get you a hook, I mean, and then come back. Little, little, Last time, you know, I had to keep right. going, and I heard it way too much in the background. So, <laughs> it like was cooking All right. Pot. Well, let's well, let's on, do man. this, bro. All right, so uh, shit, man. Let's uh, let me get all the settings together. Uh, where we at? Where we at? Where we at? Flash. Flash. Uh, uh, Brianna Taylor verdict uh, or lack thereof charges. All right, so we jump into Flash. As you already stated, you know, Breonna Taylor, um, the verdict, um, and what that meant for a lot of people. So before yeah. we start on this, we still want to have a deeper conversation uh, with some female personalities about this. Um, I feel like this is important to talk about because, you know, during this entire, you know, I guess investigation period, this entire, if you want to call it a trial, they're there lack thereof, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Um, you know, black women were really, you know, you know, really speaking their mind about how this case is just as important as someone like George Floyd or Definitely. Whatever. Absolutely. Definitely. So we're just gonna give, you know, our brief uh feelings toward it, but we definitely want to have a deeper conversation uh with, with some women later. Some yeah. personality. So I got a I got a few in mind. So you you ladies be uh be patient with us. But anyway, so talking Breonna Taylor P, I'll let you, I'll uh, let you start. What you man, so we already know the situation, how we got to where we are um, with with everything that's been happening as far as, you know, the, the you know social unrest and everything. George Floyd, uh, Amar Alberry, uh, everything that happened in Kenosha. You would think that there would be some form of public justice Especially for Breonna Taylor, sleeping in her bed, murdered, murdered. Let's be real here. She got, she was murdered by the police. No knock warrant. So how was her boyfriend supposed to know it's police coming through the door? Yeah. So he was defending himself. This is true. You know? and I mean, so there's, so I guess when you think you know more, then there's always more. Um, yeah. So the AG down there, um, we spoke our our minds about him a little right. bit in our group. Um, but what I'm hearing, you know, it's a lot of hearsay right now, but what I'm mm-hmm. hearing is that he did not, uh, you know, move to, uh, look into any kind of homicide charges to begin with. Uh, right. So that's, you know, and now they're trying to get everything released. And yeah. All the, the grand to, jury transcripts and stuff. Yeah, are, 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 he's even uh, trying to like halt that a little bit. So it, it kind of gives, <sighs> it, it kind of gives you this, you know, one eye up you know side look like yo what's really going on is this an inside job then you know not that it <laughs> it shouldn't matter but what but we I mean, should discuss is he who he's married to who is he he's married mar- he's, he mitch mcconnell is his 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 father-in-law right? well his grandfather-in-law is. something like that he's married to mitch mcconnell's granddaughter yeah that's what it is and everybody and should know who mitch mcconnell is mitch mcconnell has been plotting this guy's career from the very start so listen, I don't want to get too. I'm not gonna speculate. I'm not. Yeah, I don't right, want to get but, too crazy. But it just it it make it opens your eyes, you know. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where the smoke is fire. Yeah. I mean, if it, it at the very least, let the legal system play out as intended. We already know it's flawed. All right. So at least let it play out and speak for itself. But if you go into this thing and you don't seek, um every possible charge you're already plotting where you want this thing to go he has the option to 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 look for every possible charge against the accused and then you present all that stuff to the grand jury and you let the grand jury decide but if you you filter out everything and you only keep what you want we're going to minimize as much of this shit as we can we're going to charge these cops for shooting into another apartment What's that called again? What was it? Wanton? Wanton endangerment. Wanton. Wanton. <laughs> wanton endangerment. Wanton endangerment. See, that's why I got yeah. somebody who's practicing law. Um, but, so, you know, we, so we got to really talk about, you know, like, I don't want to say really talk about, but a lot of people. So she wasn't actually sleeping in her bed. She was up 
and got mm -hmm. shot in the hallway. Okay. Correct. So she got, so, you know, the, the no knock, whatever, she jumps up. She was sleeping in her bed. Yes, that's where it starts. Yeah. But she okay. got up into the hallway where the shooting occurred. And I think, you know, the bullets then riddled her body at that point. But we also got to talk about, like, why did it take so long for her to, to get any kind of aid administered? We're talking right. over 20 minutes or something and, like and, that. And that wasn't even part of the discussion yeah, leading not, to not in, anywhere in this verdict, anywhere in the grand jury uh, testimony or them saying that this is all we could charge them on. Well, shit, all you present them with is you present them with limited choices and limited information. You're going to get a limited verdict. And so, what, and that's exactly what happened. So you, you definitely got that. And then, you know, you have to, again, like we say we're not going to speculate. But you got to start looking at how things, you know, lay out. You know, the civil the payout becomes an issue as well. Yeah. Um, because now what are we looking at, right? We're looking at, okay, the family's awarded $12 million. Uh, maybe that I don't want to say the wrong stuff, but to me that sounds like, hey, look, you got some compensation for it. To me, for that's us. an admission of guilt. Okay, right? that's and, an admission of guilt. And now we have to move right. past this, and we're yeah. we're not going to burn down our cops anymore than right. than what they've already been burned down with all the other situations. I mean, this is just how somebody's looking at it from the outside looking in. And again, so we have to be careful as a and, community not to overreact. Right. But the but the the I'm sick of this story is the issue that keeps yeah. playing in your head. Like yeah. I'm sick and tired of this same type of story, yeah. but you know, we, just we, got a we've, we've, we have read this chapter of the book more yeah, times than we can thing. count it's more times thing. than we can count. We've read this thing. And uh, there's two things in this that, that really trouble me uh, from a broader perspective. Uh, it's, it's how black women are essentially overlooked in this country. Okay. Sure. I I truly believe that George Floyd and every other black man that has been wronged by the police deserve their day, the attention that they're getting, um, whatever charges that are brought against those who who harm them, etc. All that stuff's deserved. But there have been black women who've been wronged by this country, by police in this country, that don't get near the shine, don't get near the attention yeah. that they should. I can't remember her name, but and, that one weird case. Remember the, yeah. the sleepover case? Yeah. One black yeah. woman and like eight white ladies and uh, it it's just, it's glossed know. over and it disappears. Now, now, this is just as a, what we know America to be. A white woman in distress, instant attention instant and she keeps that attention until she doesn't want it anymore but a black woman wronged by the system by the country by the police by medical professionals by whoever gets no attention whatsoever which is very very unfortunate and i know it's not it's not something that that's we're going to touch on tonight about us as being black men and the things that we need to do for our sisters but we, we can do better. We, we can talk about that. We're going to talk about that in another show, you know, further down the road. But there are things that we need to do to protect our sisters the same way that our brothers are getting, you know, the attention when they are wronged. Um, and the other part is just the legal system itself. You know, like we just you just illustrated. This is a chapter that we've we've read over and over and over and over. Uh, but a dead horse, man. Like, yeah, it's a dead horse. And to think that, um, I, I believe that the DA in this case, he has to pander to that base. And that base is law abiding. Please do nothing wrong. Yeah. So that's a great segue because you know. the next part of this, this uh, flash is uh, two nights ago, presidential debate. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. That was I mean, I thought the the Hillary and Trump, you know, debates were pretty intense. This was on a whole other level. Trump and Joe. Yeah. And yeah. uh you know, as the days have gone now, two days passed, it's like the it's like Chris, uh, I can't remember his last name, but the moderator, he's catching mm -hmm. flack. I thought that he did what he could do. 
speaking yeah. to the man that is in power, right? You know, it's like right. he has to still show some some resolve, some respect toward that individual. He just can't tell him to shut up. I mean, Joe did. <laughs> but uh, right. I think that we really, okay, you know, not to get crazy political, but it had to be discussed. Like, I don't care how you see this country in your own eyes. It's time to peel off the, the wool, you know, take off, you know, the the sleepy mask or whatever you got on. Rose colored and glasses, see for what it is. And it's time, but it's it's time to really look, man. And yeah. There's some things that, you know, can be like hot buttons and they keep getting played over and posted. And it's just like, you know, he couldn't really denounce, you know, like, you know, white supremacists. White supremacists. Yeah. And then these, his, these... his awkward statement. Know, proud boys stand up and stand by yeah so you know as you as you look at these things you know we have to really understand like what are we really living in a lot of people don't want to you know like i said talk about it because maybe it's uncomfortable yeah. or maybe you don't see it that way but the you you have to take the blinders off there's something there really happening right now there's a level of denial and and we've seen it historically but it's even more pronounced now that uh, and it, it's it's the same with the media, et cetera. Everybody that feels this uh, this this undying, unwavering support for this man, no matter what he does wrong, oh, they take it's out of context. And any time that I hear somebody say that his words were taken out of context, I'm like, yo, those are his words. I'm not. It's not like I'm speaking third party. This video evidence audio evidence all the time about him saying different things that are at at the least at the lowest level they're controversial and then at the highest level completely offensive and, and what's tough is that really people don't really have in my opinion a hundred percent like like skin in the game they just yeah. don't want the other side like, right so right with that, I think that's where the past is given. I think yeah. that's where the denial is. The, yeah. Just the utter neglect for what you know to be I mean, right, wrong, or indifferent. For um, a lot of people, it's just easy to follow. Yeah. And it's, and critical thinking, we've talked about this so many times. Critical thinking is a lost art in this country. And I, and I really just try to figure out, like, you know, in my heart of hearts, like, are people really okay with the idea of everything they know to be normal, now unnormal, but it still gives you the leg up in the game for your side. It's like it's like right. you know you know your team is cheating, you know your team is cheating. Yeah, but you don't have any integrity. <laughs> basically, Patriots fans. You just like just, basically, basically Patriots fans. Yeah, just keep going. You know, just <laughs> hey, I'm gonna just keep yeah. pushing the limit. Yeah, I don't I don't right. really care that we're cheating. I'm just gonna just keep pushing it. We're gonna see long how, how we long we keep can winning. Win. Long as we keep winning. Yeah, you know bad, and. Man. How much of your morality are you willing to to sacrifice? That's always been the question, at least for the last four years. That's what the question has been. So you got four more. So uh, yeah, must see TV. If, yeah. if you're not tuning in every week, and yeah, shame on you. Check it out. I I, I didn't watch. Shame on you. Uh, you gotta check it out. No, no, I wasn't. I wasn't even home. Oh, okay. but the play by play in the group chat. Yeah, oh my intense. god, that was better than watching to me. It was intense. I'm hoping that uh, you know the vice the VP one. They have a. I think that's going to be a little bit more civil, civil. Uh, and that might be. I'm, I'm going to use that loosely. Well, civil. I mean, you know, uh, Kamala is Kamala, and then you know, Pence is Pence. But I'm saying, like, there's definitely. I feel like they can answer questions. Right. And what, right. What, what? I don't care how you look at it. What? When you come? When you? When you look <laughs> at what happened on Tuesday night? There was clear. It was very clear. Yeah. One side had plans. Oh, the other side just start. had prods, just straight yeah. prods, no plans yeah. at all, just straight prods. So when direct questions were asked, they always skewed and went a whole different, you know, direction versus like answering the direct question. Yeah. The other side was like, "Hey, okay, we can start at letter A, boom, 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 boom. We can start at yeah. letter B, boom, 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 boom. This is what I want to do. This is how it looks." The other side, blame, blame, blame. You couldn't yeah. handle this. You couldn't do it. It was intense. It was intense. It was definitely yeah. intense. Oh, but but uh, that's been it. that's been that's been that size mo for four years now. Yeah, but this is you not know. the general. This is not the the, the traditional. 
No. <laughs> and I hope this isn't where we are going and staying, you know. Whatever, no. We're going to let that be. Whose news is a little different. Uh, usually we come with some wild shit from Florida <laughs> or just some off the wall craziness. It's usually, that we Florida. It's usually Florida. But this is different. Um, this is different. And this, this, this could have went into my final note. Um, but I felt like it was bigger than that. So mm-hmm. I wanted to give it some attention. So Mark Cuban, right? Billionaire, yeah. you know, a lot of people like him. A lot of people dislike him, whatever. But end of the day, the dude is, is who he is. And what he's shown over the years and and, in the past is that he's very, like, he's on his philanthropist type of stuff as well. And he generally cares about people. Um, Yeah. You know, he he always takes care of his employees. You know, like, when Corona hit initially, he was doing, I can't remember exactly what he was doing, but he was doing things for his workers, for all the people who tend to the stadium. He gave them, like, his own little severance package so Mm -hmm. they can be okay, that type of thing. But this right here was something completely different. Like, you know, for a while, yeah. you know, Delonte West has just been kind of been kind of out there. You know, he he got hooked on drugs, you know, ever since he's been out the league. I think he's been out the league since like 2014 or something. But it, uh, a small stint in his career, he played for Dallas. And, you know, it was said that he was just like walking the Dallas streets kind of, you know, pilfering and, you know, looking kind of in harm's way. And Mark Cuban himself not his people mm-hmm. himself picked him up yeah went out found him picked him up put him in his vehicle and took him to a hotel to get him off the streets for the for the night i'm and i'm guessing in that they they had some some discourse and he talked about you know hopefully trying to get him you know better and so yesterday i read you know he's checked in in florida to like yeah. uh, uh wellness a rehab yeah and yeah. uh, right now, you know, we're we're hoping that uh, he kind of you know gets gets his life going in the right direction. And you know, yeah, like everybody always kind of plays off of what Delonte West and maybe LeBron mom did. You know, like all jokes yeah. aside, this is real shit. Like the this is real shit. He's he's bipolar as well. Bipolar, you know. And again, this 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 is definitely a great segue into. You know, keep it 100 when we, we start to talk about Am I My Brother's Keeper? Conversations, no. not keep it 100. <laughs> that was last time. Nope, oh, conversations, my bad. <laughs> conversations, conversations. And last time was great. So, yeah, um, we we can, we can as black men do better. So kudos to Mark Cuban for, for stepping up and, you know, looking out for uh, Delonte. And, you know, he, he's obviously, in a, he's been in a pretty bad place for quite a while now. Uh, we've seen different news stories and stuff like that about him, you know, uh, living in the streets. And I'm glad that he's gotten some help now. But yeah. are we doing enough for each other? See that. Um, yeah, man. And, you know, like like you said, this is a man with, you know, endless, you know, amounts of resources talking Mark Cuban. And so yeah. this is just like a drop in the hat. But as we move into our actual, you know, uh, topic for this week, am I my brother's keeper in conversations? You know, we have to think about um, that that question. You know, we, me and you joke a lot, right? We joke yeah, a lot. Yeah. We talk about uh, supporting the fuckery, right? <laughs> so in doing that, um, we often forget how important it is to actually, you know, look after one another. Like, actually take the time to you know ask those questions that can be difficult can be uncomfortable um but more than likely the individual that you truly have a a bond with you know people pick up on that like if you really my brother you pick up on that you know and i use myself as an example when i was going through it you know you were able to pick up on that situation and maybe my denial use that word again or just my pure neglect for what I knew to be true, trying to, you know, downplay it, was very evident to people around me in all different yeah. places, family, and friends, mentors, the whole nine. Um, and so that was, an, that was important for me to be honest with myself. Yeah. Uh, but it took, it took a while, okay? And, it, it took a while. And that's one of those things that, um, you know, when you, you do bond with somebody, 
you pick up on different traits and different nuances in their personalities. And the changes when there's something heavy that's weighing on them, it, it becomes really, really evident. It may not become evident to that person, but if as, as someone, as you know, we've grown closer and closer over the years, um, you are definitely family to me. When you were going through it, um, I could see it in your interactions with me. I could see it in your interactions with, you know, uh, with, with, with our group. And I would never go direct. I would never call you out on anything personal like that in the group. It's always one-on-one. And, and that's where, you know, to me that the trust, um, is there. And to me, a part of, of, you know, being real and honest and being your keeper is to call you out when you are lying to yourself. It's easy for us to lie to ourselves. Definitely easy for us to lie to ourselves. We can convince ourselves of anything. Right. But more often than not, it's our way of avoiding the true nature of the situation or problem. So we need to, if, if I'm truly my brother's keeper, I will, put, I will put our friendship on the line so that I can help you when I feel like you need the help. You may not want it right off the bat. You may not be willing to accept it. You may even find my actions offensive, but it's out of love and respect. You know, but are we doing that consistently across the board for each other? You know, and that's, and, and, no, no, that, I mean, and that's real, man. And we all have our group, right? We, we have mm-hmm. our internal group. Um, and as you build bonds with strong black men or strong men in general, like people become valuable and special to you. And that's where I want to now try to bring in um, somebody that's super important to me. His value, um, man, I can't tell you over these last three years and like what he's meant to my life. Um, and that's Marcus Simmons. Marcus touched on toxic masculinity in his book. And that, that's right. That's why we we really needed to have him in this conversation. So, you know, we can be toxic towards each other. We can and like we talked about, we've endorsed each other's fuckery over the years. That's not healthy. It's not. It's not. And. Being toxic towards one another is something that I think that we learned early in life and we have to navigate our way through it and be better. You know, so on that note, Marcus, welcome to the show, man. Hey, fellas, how y'all doing? Good, man. Good. Oh, yeah. I got you loud and clear, man. So go ahead and officially introduce yourself, man. I'm just going to hold up, you know, your 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 work while you talk about yourself, your introduction. Go ahead. Got it. Um, well, Marcus Simmons, uh, I am the author of uh, Unapologetically Masculine, Masculinity Without Toxicity, uh, from, um, uh, Liberty University in Marriage and Family Counseling. Um, I'm passionate about marriage and family and also about men, um, doing their purpose and doing what they're supposed to be doing. Thank you guys for having me. Proc, so proud of you, man. Thank you so much for, at a distance, all your wisdom. And uh, Ali, you know how I feel about you, man. Yeah, man. Much love, brother. I'm looking forward to meeting you one day, man. Um, I think we're like kindred spirits. <laughs> yeah, I man. Feel the same way, man. I feel the same way. I do. I remember when you came down, and I think it was like 2011, 2012, we'd do a little uh, inspection for us or something like that. Yeah, and uh, just the, the presence, man. I was like, this guy, this guy is somebody I definitely can rock with. Yeah. I try, man. I try to be as real and as honest as possible, man, because um, I've been that that brother where I'm looking at other brothers sideways. I've been that negative influence and I've had that same negative influence back on me. And I don't want to be that brother, man. Um, It takes work, personal work to get beyond that. And I think, you know, once I realized that I've been working on that every single day and I try to impart as much wisdom as I can. At, at my age, I've gone through a lot of shit. So I don't I don't want Clyde, I don't want, you know, any of our other guys to go through the things that I've gone through. So like I always tell them, walk in my footprints, 
I've already gone through that shit. So I'm trying to I'm trying to blaze that path for you so you can avoid the bullshit that I've been I've been through. Yeah, that's true, hey, man. <laughs> Loved that a lot. So Marcus, I want to ask you. So just give give the people um, an overview, the author's perspective of your book, and then we'll start to you know combine that with what we want to talk about this evening. Ooh. Uh, the book was originally written out of frustration, man. It was uh, I wanted to write like a love letter to my fellow brothers, but I also wanted to get some major points across. Let let brothers know uh, that we make some make some mistakes. In the, in the way we're handling ourselves as men in society. And I wanted to do it in a way that was not beating men down, but also exposing the things that we were doing and giving them an option, giving them ways around it, and even telling my story and how all the things that I went through and how it affected me. And so that was really the premise for the book, was just a love letter to let you know I love you, I see you, but I can't continue to let you go down this road that you're going down without, without exposing it and showing you what's really going on behind the scenes. Spoken like a true counselor, man. So, again, somebody who probably could have used that book, you know, at a different point in my life, that's me. Uh, I'm glad that, you know, I, that you did this work, you know, because it, yeah. it was definitely a valuable piece of literature. And I'm sure, you know, it's, it's helped a number of people. And I've, we've been pushing it on our show, and I talk about it all the time. So get out there and get it. It's on Amazon, Apologetically Masculine, Masculinity Without toxic, Toxicity by Marcus M. Simmons. Um but now how we tie this to, so P, you gave us the preface about you know, yeah. being our brother's keeper. And uh, Marcus, you know, we're going to just basically just have a free-flowing conversation, just like work. Um, so I'll start with this, man. You know, like I'm, I'm the younger of the guy. I ain't got to say that, but I'm the younger, younger handsome of you two. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, you know, like I've, what I've found in, in my, my younger days, you know, is these conversations are difficult, right? Um from embarrassment, um, from just, you know, the inability to control your shit, right? Like, you know, like we think we got it covered, but mm-hmm. uh, people know you in a different way than you sometimes even know, right? You project things a different way. And I remember how I was, you know, I was standoffish. Um, you know, I would still try to joke and carry on, but if you really know me, you knew something was the matter. So my question becomes, and I'll start with you, Marcus, um, how do you ask for help without it sounding so simple, right? Like, help me. You know, a lot of people have pride. So I ask you, you're, you're a counselor. How do, how do individuals come to you and ask for that help? You know, um, a lot of times it, it is the pride. Pride is the, the Bible calls it a strong man. I mean, pride, pride will cause you to do all kind of crazy things. But uh, I think you've got to be selective in who you seek counsel from. I think you really got to be selective in who you're going to talk to. And uh, I call it the law of reciprocity. So if you have a person that has, you know, told you things about themselves, has invested their story into your story, and they've shown themselves to be someone that um, that's trustworthy, then I feel like you can pull that person to the side and tell them what, what you're going through. But it has to be a reciprocal process. If it's always you telling them your business, you telling them what's going on with you, and they never expose their weaknesses, things they struggle yeah. with, or they never expose themselves to you, then obviously that law of reciprocity is out the window. So I think that's the big thing. They have to have skin in the game. Like, I got to see your stuff, too, if we're going to do this. If I'm going to walk with you and you're going to walk with me, I need to see your stuff, too. You can't just be me sitting on high giving you orders or telling you what to do. And I right. have shown that I, I, too, have struggled. Before I pass it to you, P, real quick, I I think Mm -hmm. that's a very key note because I think that's why men in general um, usually are very um, distant when it comes to, like, the idea of counseling because I feel like somebody's just evaluating me, whether that's marriage counseling, you know, couples counseling, or just individual counseling because we know in that setting, you know, that person, they're not really revealing anything about themselves. You know, they're, they're just listening to you and... You know, they're making comments, recommendations. They're trying to talk about things that you find, you know, difficult to speak on. And I think just how you broke that down, that, that reciprocity, I can't even say the word. Reciprocity. Reciprocity, yeah. It, it, that's, a huge, that's a huge thing yeah. because that's the first level of comfort. And I talked about yeah. that in my book. You know, I found, you know, that, that, that way of talking to females at a young age. And it was always different for me to go to them to even to include going to my mom versus my dad. Um, because I just felt more comfortable there. 
Um, but I had never looked at it in a way like this, where it's like you're mm -hmm. giving me something, and then I'm more comfortable to give you something. And then P, I'll pass yeah. it to you, and I'll let you tag in on that. See, I, I, I agree with everything Marcus uh, spoke about. Um, to me, relationships have to be mutually beneficial. You know, one can't, uh, and, and I, I stand by this a thousand percent. I kind of look at relationships like a bank account. You know, what I give, what I, I deduct from my account and I give to you, the only way that that relationship works is if you keep my bank account flush. I keep yours flush. You keep mine flush. You take from me. I take from you. That's the only way that it works. It's mutually beneficial that way. And once, like Marcus illustrated perfectly, if I can expose myself, if I'm confident enough, if I'm self-aware enough to know what my weaknesses are, the mistakes that I've made, my missteps and how my missteps and mistakes can benefit somebody else, it's incumbent upon me. It's my responsibility to use those as a way, a teaching method, something to help my brother prevent. Well, so he he doesn't make the same mistakes that I made. There's no joy. If you find joy in watching somebody else make the same mistakes that you made, there's no joy in watching somebody that I care about make mistakes that I can help them prevent. So, you know, and every time that that. I never try. I, I always try to do this consciously. I never give advice from a place um, where I don't include my experience first. Right. Yeah, it's true. more valid. Evolve. It's more valid if I can tell you, yo, this is what I did and right. it didn't work out. <laughs> you know, that gives it more weight when I can do that. But I think that when we reach the points where we are, um, and we're still growing. I, I, I never say that we reach a point where we plateau. As long as we walk in the face of this earth, that gives us a day, every day, an opportunity to grow and to be better. Um, but once we reach a place where we have even the smallest amount of wisdom, we need to reach back and bring somebody else up. You know, and that's to me as a fit, as black men. I'm, I'm in with this as black men. That's been a failing of ours. We've relished watching each other suffer. Okay, so then my question, and I'm going to pass it back to you, I'm going to leave with you on this one, P, is, you know, you're definitely speaking from someone, as we talked about in season one, you've been through the seasons, right? Mm -hmm. And now here you are with the wisdom, and you're trying to prevent that. But my question becomes, okay, <laughs> how do you get someone to understand they have issues without them feeling like it's personal attack or you're judging them or you're not allowing them to just live their life because now here here I am remember me the young whippersnapper and I'm like mm -hmm. it wasn't that you and I were going back and forth in a I guess in a degrading way but I was more so telling you like look man I'm good I hear what you're saying you know but this is where I am so yeah. for somebody that's a knucklehead a hard head like I was you know what is that uh well, how do you have to approach that? I'm sure it's slightly different, but how do you have to approach yeah. it in general to get them to understand? Like, I give a shit about you enough to let you know you walking, you know, into a, a, a dark place. You're doing the wrong things. Um, I, I always see, you know, I, I try to look at things um, in, in that regard with consistency. The same message every time we talk. You're never going to get through the first two, three, four times. Never, ever, ever. And the thing that I know personally is when I was in my dark place, I was only concerned about me. I wasn't concerned about the people that cared about me. I wasn't concerned about the things that were important outside of myself. And I needed to be reminded of those things. And that's what I tried to do when you and I had our talks years ago when you were going through it. You know, this is bigger than you. Your decision, the things that you are doing have far reaching consequences. If you don't change, those consequences can be flipped on their head if you choose to change and you realize how much better life can be once you make the right decision. One that's selfless and not about you. That's real. And, and Marcus, I'll I'll have you chime in. Like, how do you how do you get because, I mean, <laughs> you are way different, man. This man doesn't curse this man. This man yeah. will, will tell you about yourself, but he'll do it in the nicest, most respectful way. So, 
when these young brothers are coming to you, Marcus, and, and you know they walk in the wrong path, whether it's their marriage or it's their personal life, you know, how are you getting them to understand, you know, I'm giving you this wisdom, this knowledge, because I generally care. And, you know, you need to put your pride to the side. Uh, you know, men are pretty easy, man. I, I'll be honest with you, uh, especially younger men. Um, I always make sure that I come from a place of, of purity. And that's, that's kind of my thing is that I want to make sure that you understand, hey, I love you. It's always everything's about love with me. It's I love you enough to offend you. I love you enough to us to never speak again, but you have to understand what you're doing right now is not working for you. And most young men um, will respond to that. Respond to that. I, I call it tapping into the father in me. And P, you have older kids, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And Clyde, you're getting there. As a father, that's what that is always that way. I love my kids. I'm not going to tell them anything wrong, even when I'm jumping in they but. They know yeah. what their dad. <laughs> so true. Where I come from, it's like usually hand on the shoulder, eye contact. You know, I love you, brother, but I'm gonna tell you this, 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 and this is wrong, and I'm gonna tell you why, and I'm gonna tell you that I may have done something like that. So yeah, uh, it really is just about having that love in your heart. It really is about it's about all about motive. If your motive is to make somebody feel like crap and feel bad about themselves, then that's gonna come across. But if your motive is a truly correct behavior and tell people that I love you and I'm telling you it's from a loving place, then mm -hmm. that, that will come across. Um, not all of them will take it, but I would say 95% of the young men I talk to, they take it. They take yeah, it. I agree. I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Uh, every time that I've had discussions with, with different brothers, uh, it, it's, it's always from that kind of approach. It's never I, I never try to preach. I just I want to tap into something that means something to them. The most important thing that we can do as as influential men is to learn about the people that we care about, what's important to them and make that important to us, you know, because then we endear ourselves to them. Uh, but historically, I think that one of the things that have always this, this plagued black men in general is this this need to compete. Oh, man. Well, you know? That keep uh, the Joneses is so, really like a so, personal person you know. And and and, and, and so I'll, I'll, I'll leave you. This is the question for you, Clyde. Um, how has that need to compete, even with strangers that you don't know, been a detriment to your relationships with other men, other black men? One word, man, failure. And I, and I, and I say that and I'm going to, you know, kind of, you know, play off of it. It's failure because I didn't understand my own importance. I didn't understand my own value. I didn't understand my own success. So that was a failure right there. Mm -hmm. And the other side of the failure becomes, as I have now got into the, I am the older head for some people. Yeah. I didn't know how to make them understand that how I got where I got did not happen overnight. Right. So when I was comparing myself, you know, like to these individuals, it was detrimental to my family. Here mm -hmm. I am, you know, I, I bought my first house. You know, you feel a certain way when you buy that first house. And then you go to somebody else's house that's having a, you know, a get together or whatever. It might be a friend of your wife or it might just be somebody, you know, a coworker or whatever. And then you automatically devalue everything that you have. It's like, like yeah. instant, like, damn, my house was nice until I walked into <laughs> <laughs> and it makes life difficult because you know you have people telling you your spouse you don't appreciate you know where you are in life you don't appreciate the things you have because it's about more 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 but then the scary part here's the true failure is as you you know are able to accomplish more mm -hmm. you get there and this is a blessing you realize like well now it's just a bigger house and it costs more <laughs> Right. The AC bill is a joke. Now, wait a minute. Like, I was okay when I had the 1600 square foot house. I'm pushing three bands now, and I'm like, yo. So, what it was all for not. And that's yeah. just us being, you know, I'm a competitor at heart, played sports right. my entire life. And what you don't understand is what I was trying to get, a, get over or get people to understand is you compete with people that don't even know you're competing with them. Your yeah. only competition is yourself. Push yeah. yourself to be better in all ways, but never use somebody's 
likeness, their weakness, you know, their success is your value because you can't win that. Yeah, and it, you can't. It's really sad when you look at it. People, yeah. well, at least I'm doing better than them, right? Right. That's a shitty. That, that, that's too. a shitty. It, it's it's I horrible. I found myself being on both sides of that fence, and and I've been there. Sad, I've man. I've done the same thing. And you know, Marcus, the, my question in the same vein: Would you you counsel? You talk. You're well educated. You deal with people of all walks of life, brothers of all walks of life. Would you say that 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 need to compete is rooted in fear? You know, honestly, I would say it's rooted in fear and insecurity. I yeah. think insecurity is a killer of masculinity, man. I, I and I talk about that a lot in the book. Is that insecurity will beat you to the floor and hold you there. You know, shame and guilt, all things that come along with insecurity. Like Clyde said about being proud of himself from buying a house and then going to somebody else's house, immediately feeling insecure about what he had done. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us that because in our childhood we weren't affirmed properly in our masculinity mm. probably a lot of these young men i talked to are raised in single parent homes uh with a domineering uh female that had to be hard had to be tough because dad maybe wasn't around they felt like they had to be that way so it's yeah. difficult to to change a man from the mindset of feeling inferior to a mindset, mindset of feeling like, hey, I, I am half stepping to my manhood. My manhood is different from your manhood, but we're still on equal footing. It doesn't matter what you drive, how many zeros are in your bank account, what you wear, what you weigh. Those things don't matter. It's about the, the posture of my heart. And that's what right. I try to understand is that the posture of your heart, when you walk into a room, it doesn't matter. You could be wearing shoes and pay less, but when you walk into a room and you have that presence and you're confident in yourself, People don't care what you're wearing. All of that fades away. All these things yeah. is a man knows who he is and what he wants. And that's value right there, man. And it is. Oh, so it is. You know, before we get Marcus out here, I want to ask him two questions. They're going to kind of come. They're, 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 they're somewhat, you know, personal because they're about your book. In your book, um, you highlight archetypes, and you know, I could circle several <laughs> that I fell into at a certain point in my life. But if you had to pick one that's that's the most damning that you wrote about to an individual, which one do you believe that that is? Oh, without a doubt, the dictator. The dictator is a monster. He is a veritable bulldozer. Um, and uh, when you read the book, he, he's the guy that uh, works all day, comes home, kicks the dog, grabs a beer, smacks the wife around a little bit, you know, the kids are afraid of him. Uh, this guy, he, he is he's terrible. And he is the epitome of what I just talked about, insecurity. I would definitely say the dictator is, he, he's a problem. He's a big problem. Man, yeah. Uh, I've been that. We discussed that at work. <laughs> we discussed that at work. Um, yeah. Superman, I've been him. And, and, and these things... You know, we talking about protecting each other, taking care of each other as men. Yeah. Like, you know, having, having my back. I got your back. Um, the value added when when you have the respect and the care and the love of someone who does that for you is it's priceless. Yeah. And I and I think that you know in the military we're we're throwing this basic term you know mentorship right and what they tell you is you need to find yourself a mentor and one thing right. that I found mentors find you yeah and I I just honestly believe that because they have a way about themselves that present something that's more than if i'm looking up to oh he's an e7 i'm an e5 damn he got a lot of money i think i just i want to get pick his brain it's way more than that and it's not always about me in the uniform it's way more than that it's about you know somebody that you can actually attach yourself to and they're going to grow you as a whole person and the thing that 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 is very unique about you know my my mentorship growth is in each situation each situation i had no idea something like what the friendship is now was going to to happen like it's just because i felt like everything had to do with like how you interact age right let's just start with age Mm -hmm. usually your peer group you know that's how you become your homeboy right we always say you go tdy you look for somebody that looks like you (laughs) and then you kind of like connect but in this situation both of you you guys were older than me, and though I have a very strong father figure, I had a very strong grandfather figure in my life, you guys were able to connect with me in, in a way 
that had me gravitate to you. And it wasn't about just like, how do you get my finances to where yours RP or how do you yeah. get my faith to where, it, where yours is Marcus? It's more so like you guys just connected with me and made me feel like I was somebody. And that's, that's, that's crazy to say, cause I'm a grown man, but a lot of people don't make you feel like you're nobody. You're replaceable. We, you know, we have we and, and that's yeah. just that's just true to me, man. Like you guys didn't never make me feel like I was replace, replaceable. You know, I was going to be there temporary, Marcus. You knew I was going to be there temporary because I had to leave P. But it wasn't like, OK, he gone. Here's the next one. Like, yeah, it, it never felt that way, man. And that's just something that's special to me. I, I, I think that and you guys can chime in after I say this. I think that innately we want to feel like we belong. And when that that need is met, that's what we gravitate towards that. Now, there are times when we're young and, and we really we're youthfully ignorant and we gravitate to the wrong because for all intents and purposes, it looks like it matters. It looks like, you know, it's a good feeling and it, it looks like it's real until we find out it's not. And I think we all go through that process of, no, that was wrong. That was wrong. And we evolve to a place where we we get a better understanding, albeit it's, it's still limited. We have a better understanding of who we are and what we need from mentors. Yeah. And when we start to see that, we gravitate and we attach uh, to that person. And you're right. Mentors find us. All of my mentors, it wasn't like, um, hey, will you be my mentor? No, it's just different things that I needed that my personality was deficient in. It's true. Things that I needed to learn about myself, learn about the world, learn about finances, learn about existing in the military, learn about being a man. I gravitated towards different people, different men, and I got those things. It was like pulling fruit from a tree, you know, and having done that, I feel like it's my responsibility to be that tree to others. Marcus, I'm, I got one one more question for you. I know you're a busy man, <laughs> uh, so I really appreciate your time. Um, I know I'm taking away from you know Miss Chantel and and baby, so I'm uh, I'm gonna be quick. But um, <laughs> this is something I've been thinking about. And, and P, once he answers, this rolls right into you too, man. Yeah. And uh, and this is this is this is a question that I've asked myself. You know, if I get to that level, like, am I ready for that? But uh, how? What does it feel like when you're no kidding a mentor to multiple people? And how is that taxing if it's taxing? And how is that demanding if it's demanding? Kind of the same thing. But how do you do it uniquely for each and every one? Because I know, you know, how you mentor me wouldn't be how you mentor, as you call him, your little brother at work. Or how you've mentored, you know, the numerous, you know, young men that's come through Lackland B-Shop. You know, in your, you know, X amount of years there, how have you mentored us all different? Because trust me, I'm sure you you probably got uh, you shuffle them like cards, man. You got a couple decks. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 tell me, how, how do you do that uniquely where you're giving us giving each and one of us something different? Excellent question, man. I, and, and honestly, I've been asked a lot of questions. Nobody's ever asked me this specific question. And the answer is. I don't know. <laughs> I, I will say this. I, 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 I agree. I agree. I believe that I was put on this plan to do a certain thing. And I believe this is what I'm supposed to do. I believe that uh, empowering men to be better versions of themselves is something that I was put on this earth to do. Now, I will say it, it is taxing. It is taxing. I have my guys at work and I have my guys at church and I have the young men I come across at the grocery store and, uh, you know, so I, I, I understand it is taxing, but I have, I'll say this. I have never been tired a day in my life while I was mentoring somebody. Now I've been tired when they walked up to me or when they, when the phone rang or they called me in the middle of the night saying they're going to kill themselves and all the things that come along with it. But I have, I, I, I honestly believe that I was built for this. And when I see a person, like when I, I'll, put, I'll use you for example, I'll put your business out there. When a person walks in that, in that door, and I've been there 12 years, so I've seen a lot of people come and go. And so when a person walks in that door, instantly I get an impression. 
and I know whether that person is going to be somebody I can reach or I know that some a person that is going to be a coworker. And when you walked in that door, I knew that you needed you needed to to be affirmed and you need to know that somebody loved you. I knew that you needed to know that you were important. And uh, I, I knew you needed to wing the, you needed to heal in a lot of places. And so I want to be that place that you could come to because you, you walk into a hornet's nest, obviously. <laughs> yeah, the workshop. Want, yeah, the shop was nuts. Absolutely. <laughs> I want you to know that, hey, I got your back, brother. I love you. And I'm not going to let you fail in personal or at work. And so that's kind of how I roll. That's and uh, if, if it happens naturally, it happens. I, don't, I never force anything. I never try to tell no, you you gonna you gonna be you know never that. Yeah, doesn't, and that's okay. We just be coworkers, and that's great too. Um, but the ones that stick and stay, they always stay near my heart, and I always always am there for them, no matter where they go or what they do. I'm always there for them. Man, that's that's deep, P. Uh, same question, because man, you have um, too. <laughs> I have, I, I have no idea. It's it's person to person. It's unique across the board. It's really, um, I think the one thing that I, I I've that's always been a, a strong suit of mine is um, understanding people's personalities. And I never try to. I, I don't want to use that as as a means to try to take advantage of anybody. But I always try to make myself available to, especially looking at it from the shop perspective, right? We got 12 people in the shop. I'm available to everybody. Right. I'm not going to force myself on anybody, but I'm available to you. If you want to come and talk to me about anything, I'm available. More often than not, there were people that we just had a military relationship. I'm your boss. You work here. We work. That's it. But other people, I, I always want to make myself available to you. I always want to especially to make myself available to black men because all my years, I watched how we didn't do enough for each other to navigate a system that's not ours. Man, absolutely, bro. That, yeah. that ain't the truth. You know, so I always wanted to come from a place of truth, honesty, and full transparency. Yeah. Yo, this is bad, bro. We all got to do this. Right. I'm gonna lead from the front. We all got to do it. I, I never, y'all got to do this. I'm out. You know, nah, that's not fair. That's not right. Um, everything for me has to be fairness. And it needed to be from a place of I want to try to set you up for success, not just in your professional life, but in life in general. You know, you're going to make mistakes in both areas mm -hmm. and how we can minimize those together. Me as as somebody who cares about you, mentor, I, I, I don't. Okay, I might subscribe to it, but it's not something that I want to hang my hat on. I want to be somebody that cares about people. And I wanted that to come across whether I had to chew your ass or whether I give you praise. Really? I always gave you praise publicly, but I always chewed your ass in private. That's That was my rule of thumb. If we're out in the shop and you're doing an inspection and you say something wrong, I'm back you up. But on the way back, I'm going to fix what's wrong. <laughs> You know, I'm not going to call you out. And, and, and that that's that's building trust. That's building um, a foundation of a relationship. And I think that's important, man. And for me. I'm proud when I know that. You and mom are fine and the kids are great. Yeah, you're a master sergeant now. And I, I know you young, young staff sergeant trying to figure shit out in a new job. Reckon you shit. know, Just when when like when I hear. <laughs> When I hear from Happy and she just got a promotion at work, you know, I can reach back to so many different people over my, my time in that B shop at Luke that are near and dear to me. They're family to me now. And, you know, Gandhi, he's doing his real estate stuff and he's happy now in his relationship. You know, Will, Gino, everybody, the lives that I've touched my only expectation is that you touch other lives in the same way. But how I don't know how I how I how I did it. It's just person to person. There's no rhyme, no reason, no path, no map, no. I flipped to this page for Clyde and this is what I did. 
I just made myself available. Well, to the audience that's tuned in tonight and the ones that will listen once we publish, these are two of my mentors. Um, Stuart Proctor, Marcus Simmons, two great men, different journeys, but they all had a way of connecting with me, man. So, um, Marcus, as we get ready to let you get out of here, man, uh, I'd like to thank you. Thank you for doing this. Um, I told you was going to eventually get you on here. He's one of our biggest <laughs> supporters. So I'm, I'm so happy um, that we finally got you on. Uh, anything you want to say before you get out of here? Yeah, go get his book. Anything you want to say before you get out of here, man? I just want to say thanks for having me on, man. I, I love the show. I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan. As soon as I'm not dropped about 15 more pounds, I'm going to get me a field and a doctor's shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a huge fan. I love what you guys are doing. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to keep listening. And uh, I just thank you so much for allowing me to come on here and hang out with you guys. Oh, well, well, hold on, man. We ain't going to let you out of here, man. Promote yourself. Promote your wife. Tell us about the book. website. Tell us Talk about Talk to us. Book. Do the whole thing, man. Run it down. You can find us on uh, Instagram and Facebook at meetthesimmons.com, on the World Wide Web at meetthesimmons.com. Uh, my beautiful wife of 20 years has a book, uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Girl. Uh, it's her life story and how she overcame. It's great if you have daughters or women in your life. Great, great book. Uh, I'm not just saying it because because she's fine and she mine, but she's an amazing <laughs> writer and her story is and it's one that that you can identify with. So you can find it on our website or on Amazon.com. Well, like I said, a lot of times, man, there's a lot of people out there that you look up to from a distance. When you actually get to know people, man, it's it's the real thing, man. So y'all are y'all always be couples goals. P, you and Mama, y'all always been couples goals, man. So, uh, you know, I, I'm so happy to to have met you, man. And our our time is 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 never going to be done, man. So I appreciate no. you, Marcus. So, you have a good evening, sir. Have a good have a good evening, Marcus. Man, it's so good to hear your voice and catch up with you, brother. Take care, you sir, P. Thank you so much for inspiring me from a distance, man. Take care of yourself, all right? All right. It's man. mutual, brother. Same thing. So, I mean, that went well. That was our first. Yeah. Uh, first call live in. Live call. Uh, we tried it, uh, I think it was season two, maybe. We had uh, <laughs> E call in, but that was so crazy. You know, yeah. we, you know, but this, you know, this machine, this Rollcaster, and they do not uh, give us endorsements. <laughs> got to get you one of these things man it's an incredible piece of uh yeah. machinery this um, is our evolution this is our evolution yeah man but uh as we close let me let me go ahead and, and cue up the final note ceo's final note man and, and i'm gonna stay right here with um being that that keeper of your brother man this this is this is not gender related this is for all people man uh male and female friends family the whole thing i think genuinely you know, especially in the times we live in today, it's important that we really start to protect one another. I'm not talking yeah. about from the cops. I'm not talking about from, you know, like just domestic violence situations and, and those type of things that are very real. I'm talking about protect each other, each other's like care, you know, protect the care of somebody. Because if you see somebody who already has self-esteem issues, if you see somebody that already has these these problems in their lives that they have a difficulty bringing up, talking about, care enough, protect their care. So when I say that, like, let them know that it's all right, you know, to be vulnerable. It's all right to have situations in life that you go through. And though that might be different than mine, we are still the same because at some point we all went through something. But yeah. a lot of people shut themselves down a lot of people don't open up and you never have that opportunity to say, damn, what if? Kind of like how you started. You know, like you never want to evaluate yourself. And one thing the military has done and done and done again that's always bad is be a reactive or reactionary military. You know, yeah. it's, it's too late now. Like, oh, then why didn't we know what was going on before that person decided they wasn't important enough to be around? It's too late to talk about it, you know? Yeah. So while you're calling these stand-ups and all that, I mean, that's fine and, 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 and good, but the individual that we needed to care about, we didn't protect their care, and now they're gone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my charge on this final note, 
is is protect that care. Know when somebody needs more than, hey, are you okay? Because yeah. generally, as people, what do we say? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. But we know you can see right through that. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's just our 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 quote unquote bulletproof response. And it's trust me, it ain't bulletproof. Just protect each other's care. That's that's my final note, Pete. Um, well stated. Well said. You know, as men, we have a problem with being vulnerable, and we especially have a problem being vulnerable with other men. Um, it's okay to seek out a brother for to be a safe space for you, and you be a safe space for for a brother. You know, I, I think that our masculinity and our pride and our ego prevents us from creating these relationships. You can put yourself out there and tell a brother that you love him. You know, I tell you, I love you damn near every day that we talk, anytime we talk. And it's important to me because I know how fragile life is. And I don't want to miss moments where I'm left to wonder, did I not say something that I should have said? Did I not put myself out there in a, in a vulnerable way so that the guys, the people that I care for, and, and, and because we're talking about black men, the black men in my life know that they can come to me. And if they feel vulnerable, they feel exposed, that it's a safe space. I, and I, I think that that's, that's an exercise for all of us as men something that we need to take stock in and do better with you know and that that's that's what i'll leave with that's real man and as we get into deeper conversations we carry on with this you know things that we would like to talk about is you know our mental health we like to talk about that struggle you know to say i need help you know and i think you know that's that's a conversation on its own um to how we even get there and then how we actually seek the appropriate help man but yeah it's just something to to kind of put up there man but uh, told you you know the show this year we're going in a different direction it's all about the conversations we should be having so this week am i my brother's keeper very important conversation uh, we have mr marcus simmons on uh ton a ton of knowledge so uh till the next time i'm co and i'm the doctor